0: Greetings, Bokertov, Tov, and welcome back to our study of Daf Yomi. We are studying Masachat Nedarim. We are on Daf Zayin Amur Aleph at the bottom of the Amud, and we're about to engage in our last discussion on the first Mishnah, or really the first half of the first Mishnah, which was presented to us on Daf Bet. And we're going to look at the... Uh, the opinion of Rabbi Akiva is expressed in that first Mishnah where he says, if you use the word, which is an expression of distance, but is generally reserved for actions of the Din, contempt of the Din that causes, which we'll look at a little bit in the Sugya, Rabbi Akiva, bazal he sort of leaned towards seeing it, seeing it, stringently. So, Rabbi Akiva agrees that you do not get makot for violating that. So, if a person says to another, indeed, according to Rabbi Akiva, he should avoid getting benefit from the other fellow. However, if he does get benefit, there are no makot. Why? Otherwise, it would just say, Rabbi Akiva machmir. He sees it more stringently. The fact that he says, kind of lean towards chumra indicates that he would not see the full force of the law here, but rather an ab initio stringency. I'm Rav Papa. Rav Papa makes the following observation about the dispute between Rabbi Akiva and the Chachamin. Ben nadina minach, if he doesn't say Menuda, which is a formal Baitin phrase, but nadina minach, I'm distancing myself from you, the chuli Plegi pligi di asur, everybody agrees that that is a valid statement and you're prohibited. Mishamtana minach, if you say I am going in shamta, shamta which is a formal Baitin action of contempt, then, L'Huli al Mashari. Everybody agrees that that is nothing, as far as a neder goes. Uh, in my plea, so where is the machloket? It's limited to the phrase that we find in Ramishna, Ben Menuda Anilach. Why? He says it's a phrase of distancing, and therefore it's valid. The Rabbanans say no, it's a a phrase that is associated with court action of distancing for contempt, and therefore is meaningless in civil interactions, or private interactions, and therefore it does not obtain as a neder that is Rav Papa's opinion but Rav Papa's opinion is at odds with that of Rav Chista why a fellow used that phrase about the property of this particular Rabbi so the fellow came to Rav Chista and asked what's the status what was Rav Chista's answer nobody is concerned with the opinion of Rabbi Akiva of course that means in this in other words, Ravhista thought that Rav, Rabbi Akiva would have extended his stringency to the phrase Mishamtana, but he said, since we don't rule like Rabbi Akiva, you've got nothing to worry about in this case. So, Kasava Mishamtana Pligi. So, obviously, Ravchista holds that they disagree about the phrase Mishamtana, that our Papa said everyone would agree was of no accord. Now, is it, does Rapapa, does Rav Chista believe that they also disagree with Mishantana, or just about that? It's clear that he believes they also disagree with Mishantana, because the explicit phrase in our Mishnah, Menudeh is also the source of disagreement. Amrabi Ilam Rav. We now have a whole series of statements from Rav, some of them about Nidui, some of them about other things. Nidahu b'fanav. Let's say that a person was. Uh, excommunicated, as it were, in his own presence. In other words, somebody did something bad, uh, something that reflected a contempt for the rabbanan, a contempt for Tamini Chacham, uh, embarrassing unto Chacham in a really uh, disgraceful way, and the Chacham uh, excommunicated, as you are benidui, in the presence of the fellow who was the object of this. You can only lift it, release it, in his presence. Why? As the Ron points out, since he put it, did it in the fellow's presence, it was clearly a very strong Nidui, and needs to be lifted in his presence. But if he did it outside of earshot of the fellow, Then it's not as serious, and it can be lifted, whether you are in the presence of the fellow who was... Uh, who was Tachat Nidui or whether he's not around. That's the first statement of Rav. Keep that in mind, because we're going to revisit it in a few minutes. (coughs) <coughs> Second thing. Amarav Khanin Amarav. Another statement of Rav. This time, a different student. Rav Khanin, reports it. Hashem If somebody hears another person say Shem Hashem, God's name, meaninglessly or needlessly, You have to throw him in Cherem. And if you didn't do so, Hu Atzvoye Then you yourself are Benidui. In other words, if you fail to respond properly to that, you are also Benidui. Why? Shakom HaKom Shharazkarat Hashem Any Anytime that you find that God's name being used in vain and needlessly, that leads to poverty, and poverty is considered like death. The context of the Pasukhi or something that we'll revisit much later in the Masechet, is that when Hashem said to Moshe, um, and it's in this week's Parsha, when Hashem said to Moshe, Go back to Egypt, because all of the people who wanted to kill you have died. The Midrashic understanding of that is not that it's a reference to Paro, that there's a new Paro, but rather that it refers to none other than Datan va'aviram, who were, according to Midrash, the two people who were fighting that then got Moshe in trouble, and as we know Datan Naviram are very much alive all the way through part of the desert narrative into the rebellion of Korah, and therefore the understanding is that they became very poor, and therefore they are considered as dead. chachamim anywhere that the chachamim gave that chachamim glare, or mitah or oni. it either leads to death or to poverty. And as the notion is, that poverty is very much like death, mention Shame, Shem needlessly will lead to poverty of the people in the surroundings, and that is considered like death, and therefore whoever does so should really be distanced and uh, chastised, and that's the only way to save the other people around from such a fate. Okay, I'm a Rabbi Abba. So Rabbi Abba tells a story. I was in front of Rav Huna. He heard a particular woman who said Shem Hashem uh, needlessly. Evidently Rav Huna understood that the woman did not mean anything really harmful so he pro forma Excommunicated her and immediately lifted it to, lifted it while she was standing there. Shmamina thought, and Ravi Abba then says we can learn three things from Afuna's behavior. First of all, Shmamina, Shmayaskaratashem Pichaberot, Serichonadozot, confirms the second thing we learned from Rav, which was, if you hear Shem shemayim, you have to, uh, put him in Nidui. The second thing is, if you put him in Nidui in his presence, you have to have him present to lift it. And that's why he lifted it while the woman was standing there. The third one is something that we did not discuss earlier, but the notion is that you do not need to be in the status of Nidui for a particular length of time for it to be valid. You could have Nidui, bing, have it lifted, and that's still considered that we had a proper Nidui in case such a thing is called for, such as in this case. Okay, next ruling of Rav. I'm Rav I'm Rav. He can uh, perform Nidui on his own. He can also put himself in Nidui and he can also lift himself out. Pshita, That should be straightforward. If he can put himself in, he can take himself out. Now, I would think that, after all, a prisoner can't uh, let himself out of prison. If you put yourself in Nidui, you need somebody who's not in Nidui to lift you out. Kamash that it's okay. And now let's see what kind of case that is. It's certainly not somebody who did something terrible and is in Nidui and now is going to lift himself out. Hey, Chidami. Ki marzutra chasida. Marzutra chasida. And let's keep that in mind. He's marzutra, the pious one. Ki barbe rav shamtah. If such a case would happen where one of the students would be shamta, nidui, for some violation of the protocol of the court, uh, or some other behavior. Mashmi nafshe beresha. First he would throw himself in chayram. Vahadamashan barbirav. Then he'd throw the Talon chacham in chayram. In other words, he recognized that it had to be done, but he felt terrible about it. And so to identify with him, he put himself in chayram. Then he put the other fellow in chayram. And then when he would come home, shari le he would lift himself. He would say, mutar mutar as it were. Vahadamashari le. And then he would lift the other fellow out. So, in other words, when is it that a Tavin Chacham can put himself into and take himself out of Chachem? That is, when he's doing it for clearly a pious cause, in this case, to make sure that the other fellow is not too hurt. Another statement of Rav, and now we were away from the world of Nidui, but back into Nidarim, of Gidol Amrav. How do I know that you're allowed to take an oath to push yourself to do a mitzvah? Like, take an oath, I swear I'm gonna shake Lulav. Shema, nishpati wa kayimah, lishmah mishpati tzidkachal. Pasuk en tiling, David says... I uh, I uh, swear that I am going to fulfill your laws, which violates a general rule of shvuah, which, you can't take a shvuah on a shvuah, you can't take an oath on something that you're already for, sworn to do, and we're, we are a Jew, we've already c- committed ourselves by oath to following the Torah. The answer is, that it's, you're allowed to do this to push yourself. You're feeling a little bit lazy, and for some reason the Torah telling you to do it's not enough, so you push yourself with a shvuah. That is permissible. The interested reader should read the end of Parak Yod Gimel of Hilchot Nedarim and the parallel passage in Hilchot Deyot to see the Rambam's formulation for this. V'yama Gidol Amarav. Again, Rav Gidol quoting Rav uh in the same vein. If a guy somebody says up says, I'm going to get up in the morning and learn this parak or this masachet. Gadol darla israel. That is a in this case, Min He has taken a great oath to God. In other words, it is valid and he has to get up and he has to learn that parak or that masachet. Aye mushpaumed but uh, he's already forsworn to to, uh, for learn Torah. And Shu'a Lachala Shu'a, the Shu'a cannot overlap on top of another earlier Shu'a. So my commercial da fila zuzi b'alma. So it's teaching you what seems to be the same thing that we saw before, that you're allowed to push yourself to do something you're already obligated to do. kamaita. that's the earlier statement of Rav Gidol Amarav. Here there's a new thing. After all, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah is like no other mitzvah. It's a mitzvah which has a bare minimum, and yet an expanding maximum. You, that you could get away with fulfilling the mitzvah of Talmud Torah by just saying Kriyachpa in the morning and the evening, although nobody would ever suggest that that's sufficient. How much should you do? You could do as much as you could do, but there is certainly nothing that says I have to learn Perak Chet today, or Masachat Murah today, or even Masachat Nidarin today. And therefore, when a person takes an oath that focuses on a particular piece of Talmud Torah, Shem Hachi therefore the Shvuah, and that's really what's meant here, the Shvuah is Chal. Amarv Gidol Amarav. All right, and this is an extension of that. Haomer l'chavero, if a person says to his fellow, nashkim v'nishneh p'rekzeh, if you say to another person, let's get up early in the morning and we'll study this parak, then you have to get up. does mean the other fellow has to get up. Shinamarn, we quote the tub sukimah v'cheskel. God says, come in the morning to the bika, and I will meet you. And I went, and he reports, he got there and God was already, as it were, waiting for him. Meaning when God said, let's meet there, so God felt the obligation, as it were, to be there first thing and be and be waiting for your cheskel to show up. I'm Rav Yosef. Niduhu bechalom. Let's say a person had a dream and in the dream he was excommunicated. Latirlo. he has to get ten people together who will be matir. Not just ten people. Who do matnu hilchata? The proper gear says who matnu hilchata? This is people who teach halacha. Aval matnu v'lo matnu. But people who just learn and don't teach law—that's not—that's not sufficient. They have to be representatives of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, which are the teachers of His Torah. And you need ten. Vileka matnu if You don't have such people. Afilu tanu matnu. Then you can use people who learn. Vileka, if you don't have ten people like that, leizavaleto a Go sit by the road. V'yoyim asara. Keep saying hello to people. I tell you, you get ten people at least who have studied halacha, and then you assemble them and say, Hevra, I need your help, I have this dream, and I need you to lift the nidui. Because the assumption is that if you had such a dream, it may be indeed that minashamayim, they put you in nidui because you did some terrible thing, and you need for it to be lifted, to get your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu back on track, as it were. shamte. Let's say you know who in the dream put you in chayram, can you go up to the guy and say, I had a dream, and you put me in cherim, can he get the guy to lift it? He says, who said, maybe the Torah, maybe they appointed this fellow in the dream to uh, put you in a cherim. Maybe they didn't appoint him to lift you out of a cherim. In other words, if you had such a dream, then you're seeing really what they want. And this guy was just the uh, the intermediary. Maybe they did not give him a power of attorney, as it were, to uh, to lift it. Rabashi. Shamta Basharule Let's say he had a dream and they put him in a and lifted it in the dream. My. So what do you what do you say? Do you say that, well, I have to take it seriously and maybe I was put in a but maybe the lifting isn't to be taken seriously, and maybe I still need these ten guys? Or I say I take the whole dream as one unit and uh and uh, and I'm lifted. I'm Arlaik. I put this pasuk on the page. It's a pasuk that's utilized in several places, notably in the, in the last parak of to prove that dreams should not be taken as seriously as some may. In other words, there are some things in there that are uh, that are misleading. this uh, this So the pasuk on the page from Yirmiyahu. Kach halom below Why are dreams compared to grain? Just like all grain has some husks and some dross, in the same way, all dreams have some things that are meaningless, the divine battalion. Uh, in other words, um, uh, in, 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 uh, in any case, um, uh, that uh, it's possible that the way that we should interpret this is to say that, so therefore, we don't know that the lifting of the neder in the dream, of the nidu in the dream, was really uh, legitimate. Ravina Nidra Ravina's wife had a neder. He came to Ravashi, who was his teacher, He said, "Rebbe, can a husband be a shaliach to come to the Chacham? It's embarrassing for my wife to come to the Chacham. Can I come and I be the one who says my wife is ashamed, she took this netter, she regrets it, etc. We'll get to this much later in the Masachet about Potchin, uh, about Pitchin, uh, and the Doreen. So Ravashi said, if we can get a group together to do it, fine. If not, not. Shmamina 5. We, uh, we can conclude three things from this. Shmamina 1. Ba'al nasa ishto. Clearly, a husband can become a shalech for his wife because we allowed such a thing. Minah nidra the second thing is that a person cannot be matuned there if he's in the place of his rabbi, which is why Ravina could not lift the neder himself. Minah kim achan fin dami. But if you call 10 people together, this is okay. Vshamta. What about If somebody is not, not a neder, but somebody who's thrown in cherim, he can lift it even in the vicinity of his rabbi. And an individual who is a mumcha, a, a Musmah, can uh, lift the net. Lift shamta also. You don't need three. Now, Amra am Rav Shem Ben Barzvira, I'm Rav Tzad Bar Tavla, I'm Rav Chia Bar Richa, I'm Rav Miasha, Mishmedu Rav Yehuda Bar So it's a long, long, long tradition that goes all the way back to Rav Yehuda, Rav Eliyai, Rav Usha. Uh, in which they're going to um, discuss and uh, homiletically discuss the pasuk at the ibsukim at the end of Malachi and their reference to something that we mentioned earlier, which is mentioning God's name in vain. My dichtiv is that God says I'm going to bring out the sun and it's going to be a healing sun at the end of days. What does it mean? I will bring out the sun for those who fear my name. That's people who fear using my name in vain. Uh, what does the t- text say that it's a son of righteousness and healing? That the heat of the day is, uh, is good for you. It's healthy. And this is at odds with Shem Lakish. He says that there is no ganum. What is there? Kodesh Baruch will take the shell away from the sun the sun out of its shell as it were the tzaddikim are healed by it and the rishayim are judged by it the same sun which is healthy for some it kills others but it is a shemesh of justice not only will the the righteous be uh, healed but they will be beautified by Shimar be go out and play like young calves Rashimni doninba and the evil ones are judged by Shimari boer katanur. the day is coming which is going to burn like a furnace that's a reference to the Rashaim being judged by this terrible sun we have concluded our study of the first passage in the Darim, and Yitzh Hashem in the next podcast will pick up at the next Mishnah, which is the end of Mishnah Aleph, and Daf Tet Amur Aleph. Everyone should have a wonderful day.